I don't know how many of you would have heard about a Christian English poet by the name of Francis Thompson. Now, I don't expect you to have ever heard of him because uh, he wrote a poem 125 years ago that was pretty profound. And uh, this poem influenced a lot of influential people. Uh, and you would have heard about some of the influential people that his poem has influenced. And his uh, poem, he, he titled it, The Hound of Heaven. The Hound of Heaven. Now, this is a very interesting poem. And the reason it's so interesting, uh, not because it's written in Old English and you can hardly understand it. No, uh, unless you just like love that sort of thing. But it's really, really interesting because it does a number on your brain. You know, the title, The Hound of Heaven, isn't exactly enduring. It's not exactly warming. It's not exactly like, woohoo, somebody's hounding me down. Great. No, like, and God's going to hound me down. No, uh, the, the title is actually a little, like, repulsive. It's a little offensive. It's a little obnoxious. Uh, and this poem starts off, and it's, uh, it describes how how God is hounding us down. Uh, and it just doesn't sound very good. And then all of a sudden, it kind of catches you by surprise, and it makes a turn, and then it sounds like this is a really good deal. So uh, I want to actually uh, read this poem to you. I'm going to actually have Bernadette read this poem to you. Uh, and it's, uh, as I said, it's in Old English. Two people that this poem has influenced. One was G.K. Chesterton, which is just a well-known uh, Christian uh, personality. And another one is J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And so you'll see that this poem, this idea of the hound of heaven and God's tenacious uh, pursuit of us, how this comes through. So, Bernadette, good luck. Uh, do your best at reading Old English. And uh, all of you that English is not your native language, uh, I'm praying for you. Uh, and those of you that English is your native language, I'm praying for you too. But uh, hopefully you'll get the just Look, it's a long poem, but I'm only having Bernadette read a little bit. It is. It's just a short part. Okay. The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson. I fled him down the night's and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter, up visted hopes I sped and shot precipitated. Adown titanic glooms of chasmed fears from those strong feet that followed, followed after. But with unhurried chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat. And a voice beat, more instant than the feet. All things betray thee, who betrayest me. I pleaded outlaw-wise by many a heartened casement, curtained red, trellised with intertwining charities. For though I knew his love, who followed? Okay, so here's the big idea. So the guy is expressing this frustration of trying to run away from God. 
And he's saying, you know, I tried everything else to give me meaning and to have purpose in my life, and it didn't work out. And then, thankfully, finally, God caught up with me and gave my life some meaning. All right, I'll give you, having Bernadette come back for part two in the reading. So take a seat, Bernadette, hold on to that microphone, and you'll have the Psalm 139. I don't know if Psalm 139 inspired this, po- this poem and this author or, or not, but you'll see as we read Psalm 139 that it has a weird, you like, like it and dislike it simultaneously. There's a tension in the psalm for the same reason. And uh, we, we like it and we don't like it. So let me just uh, say we're doing our uh, summer series and we're trying to look at spirituality and how do we have healthy spirituality by looking at the psalms. We want to look at Psalm 139 to, uh, today and it's, it's a long psalm. So I'm just going to, before I have Bernadette, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, um, pray. So, Lord Jesus, we just invite your presence, and I invite you to hound us down. Lord, that you would be the hound of heaven who chases after us, who doesn't let us out of your sight, who keeps, you just keep pursuing us. And Lord, yet gently, majestically, when we're ready, when we're willing to yield, you're right there for us. I just thank you, Lord God, for who you are. In your name, Jesus. Amen. As Bernadette comes up and reads the psalm, you know, when Liz and I travel to Spain on missions trips, and Spain is a particular type of topography. It's dry, it's olive trees, uh, and they have greyhounds, and the farmers have the greyhounds to chase the hares. And it's kind of like an interesting thing, because the dog uh, can catch up to the hare, but it doesn't immediately catch the hare. It kind of like gradually goes at a heck of a fast speed, and it sort of just chases the hair, closing in on the hair ever so slowly, and then when the hair is like totally out of gas, then it gets him. And it's the imagery of God with us. He just pursues us, and pursues, he's, not like, he's not like jumping on top of us, he just like waits until we're like, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Then God's like, I'm right here. So anyway, Bernadette, read Psalm 139 for us. Thank you. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. 
You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion, and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. O God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. O Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Thank you, Bernadette. For those of you that come from a traditional background, Episcopal background or Catholic, this is about as Catholic as Episcopal we're ever going to be. Bernadette reading and then me preaching and then Bernadette sitting and standing. But I'm getting you warmed up because we're going down the road to the community covenant and we're going to be together with them. And uh, and, uh, anyway, uh, here we go. it's a long psalm, and I, I don't know if, if you're like me, I just kind of check out when I'm, somebody's reading. That's why I had Bernadette read. Uh, for the few of you that really stay attention, keep attention and know everything that Bernadette read, well done. Uh, for those of you that are more like me, that you kind of lost it in the first few minutes, I'm going to re- reiterate and go over it again. If you pull out your bulletin insert, you'll see I've broken up this psalm to really depict the character of God that we get to learn about and that's revealed through the psalm. And uh, this is a pretty powerful psalm. Uh, I've just, if you go the, the five little the points there, God is all seeing, God is all present, God is all creating, God is all loving, and God is all holy. And there's a tension in the psalm for us where we just don't fully get it. We like some things and we don't like other things. And this we resonate with, and then there's stuff which we find actually offensive. Uh, And uh, we we battle to hold this together. And so uh, I want to uh, read this again uh, slowly or piece by piece as we go through it. Uh, knowing that uh, we don't, you know, take three hours for a, a church service, so uh, I'm going to move through here pretty quickly. But this starts off this way, and I don't know about you, but this makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, that God examines my heart. He knows everything about me. He knows when I stand up and when I sit down. He knows my thoughts. He knows everything I do. Uh, it says, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Now, that is like a mystery. Only God. Right. But what it does, if we take the emphasis off ourselves and we put it on God, we realize that God is large and in charge. I mean, like this is an incredible God, that he would know our thoughts before we even think them. It's incredible. And yet it turns in this 
first uh, section up to verse 6. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. So the psalmist is not offended by this. He's saying, but there's a blessing here. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And to that we can say, Amen. You know, it's just too profound. You can talk about it. You can analyze it. You can discuss it. But at the end of the day, we just don't get it. But it's helpful for us to just know that God is this big and this incredible. He, he just is. So there is this tension. And now the next uh, part of this uh, psalm uh, is this idea of the hound of heaven where God is just pursuing us. So, for instance, uh, John Stott, he was a, a famous British uh, Anglican priest that uh, died recently, and he just, he, he was like a, a leader of the evangelical movement. And John Stott, in his book, uh, he wrote many, many books, but in one book, the first chapter in the book, he titled The Hound of Heaven. And in this chapter, he describes how he came to faith in Christ. And he said, you know, it wasn't the great influence of my parents. It wasn't the great uh, upbringing I had in church. As good as they were, he said it was God just hounded me down. He said, and he finally just had to give it up to God and say, God, you are on my tail. You are hounding me in a very good way. And that is how John came to know Christ. It wasn't like, you know, big prayers. It was the presence of God. He was experiencing God was after him and pursuing him with God's love. And it just drew him to Christ. So uh, let me just read uh, verse 7. Again, you, we just can't escape God's hounding us down. I can never escape from your spirit. I, can't, I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the far, farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. In other words, there's just no hiding from God. God, we can't escape him. I mean, like the Russians, when they mocked us, when we went up to the moon, they said, oh, did you find God up there? And it's like, no, you know, God isn't like, you don't just walk onto the surface of the moon and like, okay, there's Jesus. No, it's the presence of God. He's everywhere. You go up to the moon, you go down, you go anywhere. God's everywhere. But we can experience the presence of God. We can actually encounter this, this presence. Now, Paul in the New Testament, in Romans, you know, he put it, the same thought a different way. He said this in Romans 8, 38 and 9. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And, you know, we read that from Romans, and it's extremely comforting because God will never let us go. And we can find God in all circumstances. And when you're going through a rough time in your life, it's encouraging to know 
that God still loves you and He's still for you. When you've messed up royally, you, when circumstances are just so depressing, when you have a hundred questions for God, like how could a good God allow this to happen, and you just can't get a good answer, we can still experience the presence and the love of God. And it's like it's beyond, we don't have to figure it out. That's, that's the point of this tension. And that's the beauty of this psalm. And that's the understanding of God hounding us from heaven. It's like whether you understand it or not, we can experience that God is after us, He's for us, and He's loving. So it's very encouraging uh, for us. So, for instance, I don't know how much uh, you noticed in the news uh, lately, but there, were a, there was a soccer team that got stuck in a cave in Thailand. And uh, for the three of you that really do watch the world news, uh, it was riveting. Uh, I, I mean, it's like, okay, here are these, this young, these young kids. They follow their, their coach two miles underground into a cave. And then when they're in there, the water rises and they get trapped. And they can't get out. And now, for those kids, believe me, they were super excited that some British naval seals pursued them like the hound of heaven until they found them. And once they were found, then of course the, the, the seals, the Navy seals from Thailand were able to rescue these kids and all week long they got you know, batches of the kids out because they couldn't swim and it was very tricky and there were many different difficult passes. But the point is, those kids were hounded until they were found. And then they were brought to rescue. And it's a, a similar way that God will hound us even when we get stuck. And there's things that we just can't figure out or understand ourselves. God is saying, I'm large and I'm in charge and I know you and I know your thoughts. I know when you stand up. I know when you sit down. I know everything about you and I love you. I mean, we see a similar tension uh, in the New Testament, in the parable of the 99, where Jesus says he leaves them and goes and pursues the one. And the tension is this. We say, it's great you pursue the one, but I'm the 99. Why are you leaving me, God? I mean, you know, uh, what about me? And there's a tension. And God is saying, well, it's both. Uh, and we see the same tension within churches. There's many in church that say, you know, I don't like that church or whatever. There's just not enough meat. There's not enough solid preaching. You know, all they're worried about is seekers. And well, really? Like, there's a tension. There's a tension. God is really interested in that you like understand the Word of God, that you pursue Him, and that it's solid. He's also really, really interested in those that don't yet know God, and that we'll do everything possible to like reach out and connect with those that don't know Him. It's, it's both. It's not either or. It's both. But there's a tension, and you can be on this side of that tension, on this side of that tension, you know, and there's just, you know, this debate just goes on at nauseam, and as a pastor, it's like, oh, please, stop now, will you? It's difficult. God is pursuing you because you know Him and you love Him, and He's pursuing those that don't yet know Him, and He wants to reach both of us, those and them and us both. We look at the next section of the psalm, and we look at God is all creating. It says this, if you will de it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You know, and it talks about how God knit all the parts together in the womb. And it says, you saw me before I was born. And it's like, whoa. It's hard enough for us to perceive that God can knit us together in the womb. But to think that God knows us before we were even born is a whole other dimension. And this is why Christians are so like 
tenacious when it comes to abortion or euthanasia. They're saying, we are not God. We cannot play who's right and who's wrong. We cannot make life or take life away. We say, this is God's domain. Let us not play God. Let's not kill people and decide when people should be killed. Let's leave this up to God. It comes out of the psalm. It's this section where we say, God is large and in charge, and this is an area we shouldn't mess with. And God says He knows. He knows how everything is laid out. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God had planned life for all of us. And we, He knows more about it than we'll ever understand or know about it. If we look at the next section, Psalm uh, 139. Woo. God is all loving. And this is where this uh, turns. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. A few weeks ago, I asked you a question as we started, and we were looking at one of these psalms. My question was this. When you think about God thinking about you, what do you think God is thinking about when he thinks about you? Okay, that was a complicated question. I had to repeat it again. When you think about God thinking about you, what do you think God's thoughts are about you? Here's the answer. God's thoughts about you are how precious your thoughts are about me. They, are, they cannot be numbered. They can't even, we can't even count them. They're more numerous than the grains of sand. You see, when we get this concept that God truly is madly in love with us, it's hard for us to reconcile that when we look at the way we live. Because you say, how could God love me and what I've done in my circumstance? And God said, no, I, I love you. And we need to understand this nature of God, that He loves us and He wants to rescue us, and He has a lifestyle and a way of living where we obey Him, He blesses us. And it's a rich and rewarding life, the way Jesus puts it. Uh, we battle this concept because we face you know, big government. When we think of big government, we don't think of personal government. When we think of a big military, we don't think of the general personally worrying about our welfare. Uh, when we think of big university, we don't think about the dean knowing anything about the affairs of me as a student. You know, we look at big business, and we don't think about the, the CEO of a big company knowing anything or caring any, anything about, you know, a little peon on the production line or behind a computer screen. If you work for Dell EMC, I'm sure your CEO hasn't sent you a thank you note and a welcome letter when you showed up to work and to whatever not. And in a similar way, when we think of God being big, we naturally think of God being impersonal. And God is saying, no, I'm big. I'm very, very, very big. But I'm super personal. I'm, I know every hair on your head. I know your thoughts. I know when you stand up, when you sit. And it's like, whoa, I, I'm blown away. I, I can't comprehend this of God. Exactly. God is incomprehensible. But he's knowable. This psalm then takes a turn. This is the part we don't like. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, I hate those who hate you. Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. And for many, that would be a reason why you don't read the Old Testament and why the God of the New Testament is different to God of the Old Testament, blah, 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 blah. But it's the same God. What is coming through here is the psalmist, David, he, is, he has a zeal for God, which is just like incredible. He wants to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. And Jesus has to kind of modify uh, this approach and say, you know what? 
We also need to love our enemies, David. You know, it, it's not okay to just like hate everybody. No, no, no. Hate the things God hates, but we still have to love our enemies. And thankfully, Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount, extended Sermon on the Mount, uh, reminds us that we should love our enemies. But again, this psalm turns. It turns. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is just the most profound conclusion to the psalm. It's basically saying, look, when you finally stop running, you will be in a place where you welcome God to search you. And when you're saying that to God, you're basically saying, God, I know that when you search me, I'm not going to come up all that pretty. I know when you search my thoughts and you think and you can hear what my thoughts are, my private thoughts, not just the public thoughts, my private thinking. Oh, it's a little uncomfortable. But there's this profound change when you say, I need to give up. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying to do life my way. And you yield. It is like you say, Jesus, I need you. When you get to that place, you are at a wonderful, profound place. Because the next thing that should happen is when you contemplate the awesomeness, the holiness, the greatness of God, you just say, I'm not worthy. You, you, you can't be. You can't say, I'm really a great guy. I've done a whole lot of good things. God's like, oh, really? Let's test those thoughts of yours. Oh, not my thoughts. Not my actions either. And then Jesus says, will you allow me into your life and will you let me take control and will you let me bless you and guide you and will you follow Jesus and will you follow God's ways? And when you've tried your own ways and the ways of the world, this starts sounding refreshing and you say, yes, Jesus, seek me, seek me out, explain your ways, bail me out. Let me follow your ways. Let me live a life which is blessed. Why don't we have the worship team come and let's worship the Lord. Let's focus on the Lord. And as we worship, I want to just encourage you. If you haven't asked Jesus into your life, invite him into your life now. Simply say, Jesus, I want you. I want you to live in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I ask by your power of your Holy Spirit that you change the desires that I have and make your desires, my desires. On the other hand, you might be just stuck. You might be in a place where you are just down. You are depressed. You've, things, just bad things that happen. You say, God, I need you. I thank you that you are rescuing me and pursuing me. And just pray that prayer and let's praise God and worship God together. Why don't we stand and let's worship.